The following is a presentation of New Life Foursquare Church. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to join us live each Sunday at 11 a.m. at our Norwalk or Harbor City campuses. You can learn more about us on the web at newlifefoursquare.org. In this episode, special guest Angie Ritchie is at our Harbor City campus sharing a message on how to say yes to a godly legacy. And I'm going to share a verse with you out of Judges. You remember Joshua? He took the land. Joshua and Caleb, they took the promised land. When Moses couldn't enter, they staked it out, and God gave them the land. The greatest generation. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua as he inherited the land. And the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel... Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And after that whole generation had had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. We're talking about the greatest generation that saw miracles. Joshua's generation stood in faith moved in faith, the man of God was to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, and he displayed incredible strength and courage in doing so. He was a mighty man of God, a mighty man of faith, an inspiring leader, but look what happened. I find it almost incomprehensible that after living a life of such great faith, seeing countless signs of wonders and winning so many victories, Joshua and his generation dropped the baton from one generation to the next. I mean, think about this. They defeated the Amalekites, They crossed the Jordan River on the dry ground. They saw the walls of Jericho fall down and even saw the sun stand still. Yet after all of these miracles, I mean, we're talking like epic level. Power, provision, mighty God, the next generation, an entire generation did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. What happened? Were they too busy Were they too busy celebrating and resting on the goodness of God? We're good. We are done. We entered the promised land. The miracle's here. And now we're going to ride the wave of glory. Were they too busy talking about the past and the good old days? Were they busy hanging out with their friends, planting gardens? Were they too busy, you know, being a soccer mom, driving from here and there and everywhere? What were they doing to lose in a generation Were they so busy defeating armies that they forgot to tell the story? You know, we don't know what happened. But I don't know about you, but this freaks me out. That after all that Joshua's generation did, their children did not serve the Lord. Look at your life. What has God done for you? Do you share the story? Do you proclaim it to your children? Do you walk out the victory of God? Because even that is not enough to ensure that you leave a legacy. Whatever the gap, it had a crippling effect on the generation. So I want to call us to action here. We got an issue. And God is calling upon you and me to fix it. Are you willing to go with me and say yes to leaving a legacy for your generation? You're like, Angie, leaving a legacy sounds so big and ominous. How do I leave a legacy? If Joshua couldn't leave a legacy... 
with his, genera- his children, how can I do that? Well, you know what? We're going to keep it simple. We're going to break it down because God is a good God, and every single one of us can make a difference. But before we can even talk about leaving a legacy, we have to understand the generation that we're working with. Do you guys know Generation Z? I'm going to share with you a little bit about that. But let's talk about the generational composition. Right now, we have the greatest generation still alive today, and we love you, greatest generation. You were born from 1928 to 1946. Who's the greatest generation? Anyone here? All right. They were born in the Great Depression, lived through World War II, the Korean War. You have strong morals, duty, thrifty, responsible. You built the American dream. You are survivors. You are stable, and you desire security. Then we have... The boomers, the baby boomers. Any baby boomers in the room? 1946 to 1964. You were the children of the greatest generation. You were, you know, hippies gone corporate, let's just be honest, during the civil rights movement, Cold War, Russia, Vietnam, sexual revolution, and the Jesus movement. I thank God for that era because the Jesus movement is what brought faith to my parents and why I'm a Christian today. Thank you, Jesus. They pursued the American dream, but they're viewed as a little materialistic, a little greedy sometimes, ambitious. They also believe that anything is possible. The baby boomers, they're still here alive and well. Then we have Gen X. Gen X is the smallest generation, and they are my generation. So I want to know where my Xers are, 1965 to 1980. Any of you here Gen Xers? Okay. Small but strong, small but proud. That's right. We were the first latchkey kids known as cynical, a little isolated, maybe a little bitter. We were born in dual-income households and many single-family households. We were, born, we were raised during the energy crisis, Y2K. It increased divorce rates. During that time, politicians lost credibility, parents lost credibility, and USA lost position. It was a dark time for Gen X, and we're still trying to get over it, right? (laughs) We're like, when is it our chance? They are the first generation that had more financial difficulty, and they're still waiting to take their place in the world, small but mighty. And right when Gen X was about to get the jobs and their chance, guess who rode in like a wave? Hello, millennials, the, the, the most researched generation to date, the most talked about generation to date. And guess what? I have little kids in my like, ministries and it, it's in college that think they're millennials. And I have to say, you're not a millennial. Millennials get this, okay? Born between 1981 and 1995, they are in their 30s. They're, millennials are in their 30s. They are digital me- focused on digital media. It was an era of child focus, the helicopter parent. It was a good economy. While there was some terrorist attacks, it was a good time. Millennials have rose-colored glasses, and they still believe in the American dream. They share everything, maybe TMI, right? They communicated via IM and Facebook. They believe in individuality and tolerance. They're, want, they're effective workers. But they want a flexible work schedule. Yes, I have. I employ millennials. They want to be done at 5 p.m. And if you're a Gen Xer, you know that's not cool. You work all night. You get it done, right? No life. They can also struggle with lower self-esteem, but they are optimistic. Millennials, we love you, but Gen Z is here, and they have snuck up on us by surprise. In fact, get this. Generation Z is the largest generation, making up 26% of the world's population. 
They're age tw- 2 to 24. You're cradle to college. So where's my children ministry workers? Raise your hand if you work in children's ministry. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, everyone needs to begin raising their hand. You need to think differently about who you are in the world because the largest generation is also the youngest, and we got work to do. do can I get an amen? Amen. If we don't want to lose a generation, we need this whole church raising their hands saying, I serve the next generation. We've got to think differently about, about how we win this world. Let me tell you, terrorist groups, organizations, even Christian communities understand if you want to reach the world, if you want to make a difference, you reach the children. You reach the children. See, we're looking at serving a demographic that's adult. But you know what? If you... If a child gets saved before the age of 14, the chances that they will stay a Christian increases exponentially. We have to get our kids. So who is Gen Z? I'm going to share a little bit, and then I'm going to give us some action steps. But how can we reach a generation if we don't know who we are? How can we reach Gen Z if we're still thinking that the kids are millennials? They're not. They're very different. Technology has changed just in a matter of a year, two years, five years, ten years. Things have changed very rapidly. But Gen Z being the biggest, in the coming years, they will not simply influence culture, but they'll be culture. Added to this fact that they are the first, listen to this, the first post-Christian generation in American history. Two through 24 have been raised in a post-Christian society. And that's why if you ask a Gen Zer if they're a Christian, they will say, more than 40% will say, I don't affiliate with anything. They don't like what they see, and what they see is not real. It's not been, it has not been transformative. Therefore, we are not passing the baton of faith. But the good news is Generation C is absolutely incredible. How many of you are 24 years and younger? You guys are bomb. We love you. Don't be ashamed. This is amazing. You guys are incredible, but let me tell you, the battle is big ahead of you. 55% of Gen Z are gaining professional experience right now. You will have six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and eight-year-olds that want to go to work with mom and dad. I don't know if you have any, like, six- or seven-year-olds that are trying to run your home. Yeah, they think they're the boss, okay, because they want to be. They don't want you to serve them. They want to get involved. They are volunteering. They are learning. They're interning. They're looking for internships at 12 years old. People come to Life Pacific not just because of the community and because it's faith-based, but they want to know, what degree am I going to get? What internship Are you going to provide me, and how can I guarantee a job before I graduate? That's the way they're thinking. 26, again, percent are volunteering. They are doing and getting ready. So if you have a children's ministry, let me encourage you. Get them involved in the things of the big church. Don't isolate them to the children's classroom. Get them involved in multi-generational ministry because they're used to it. They're raised in multi-generational homes, they're, they're raised in multi-ethnic and diverse classrooms, and they want everyone to win. They are not colorblind, but they appreciate all colors. So how can we, as a generation, as we pass the baton of faith to them, as we leave, say yes and leave a legacy, how do we connect with this generation? They are absolutely incredible. They could be considered mature for their age. Anyone talk to a Gen Z lately? They're like so serious about life. 
I talk to college students all the time, and they're terrified that they're going to get the wrong job. They're worried about their income. They're worried about what they're going to do next. I have a student, a parent came to us. Their, their student is coming to Life Pacific in the fall. They said, my daughter insists on working. She's a full-time student. She'll be a full-time athlete. She's getting a scholarship. She doesn't need the money, but she's stressed out to leave her job at Starbucks. I'm like, yeah, that's Generation C. She's like, oh, we don't understand. We're Gen X. We're like, we want to give you this time to study. And she's like, no, mom and dad, I'm stressed. I need to work. I'm like, who's going to win this battle? And they go, well, right now we are. I said, well, don't count on it. She'll probably keep her job because this is the way they're thinking. They're not banking on anything in the future. They believe that they have to make a way for themselves. How many of you am I, for how many of you are hearing this and saying, I get that, I hear that. What I'm doing for you guys is I'm defining your reality. I'm sharing what you guys are already thinking. They're mature, they're in control. Guess what? This generation has lower drug use, teen pregnancy is down, violence is down, premarital sex is down. And we may say, wow, we are passing the baton of faith. We are doing so good in the church. Well, let me tell you, it's not because of that. It's because of the iPhone. It's because of technology. They're more isolated. They're dating less. They're socializing less. A good Friday night is at home on the couch with family while they text message or play video games, pay, pay Fortnite with their friends. They're with them, but they're at home with their Cheetos, right? They're, so you're going to see that they're in control. They don't want to make too many mistakes. They want to play it safe, and safety is a theme. They're also big foodies. How many of you guys know this? Yeah. My daughter was cooking at the age of like four or five and six. She was learning how to cook. They also care about things that are organic and good for the planet. This is Generation Z. Let's get, are, are, you, are you learning? Good so far? Okay, turn to your neighbor and say something you learned about Gen Z. Turn to your neighbor right now and say one fact, one fact you learned. I love it. We are saying yes right now to understanding this generation. Let me just define real quick about, a little bit about technology, and then we're going to go on to say, what do we do with all this information, Angie? What do I do? Technology. Generation Z, they're digital natives. They don't know anything before the phone, before technology. They are private. Millennials love to share everything. Generation Z doesn't want you to track them at all. I'm, as a therapist, I'm in battles with families all day long about location and track my phone. Kids don't want to be tracked. They don't want people to know who they are. They want to dip in and dip out very quickly. They have an eight-second attention span. Did you hear that? I know. You thought it was bad with millennials. You have a minute. I mean, like a second eight seconds to get their attention. So what does this mean for children's ministry? It means that you need to get their attention within just a few seconds, that you have to be bigger than the iPhone. You have to be louder. You have to be more fun. You have to have a dance party. But once you get their attention, you get them in. They're more sedentary, so we're seeing more health issues facing this generation. They're 4D with multiple screens. And let me give you an example of what this looks like. And you Gen Zers, you know what I'm talking about. So I walked into my office at Life Pacific, and I employ many millennials and Gen Zers. But right now, I have a lot of 18, 19-year-olds. So I walk in, and one of my student staff members is sitting there with two screens. She's doing some data entry. She has her headset on, right? 
Then she has her phone screen. She's looking at it. And then as I pass by, as she's looking at all her screens, I see Netflix playing in the corner. I'm like, Jasmine, are you serious? She, and it's totally normal. And she's typing away, getting stuff done, and she's doing four things at once. And so I had to do a little education on what workplace protocol, that we don't watch Netflix during work hours. But the point is, it was completely normal to her. And she was still producing, probably not accurately entering data, but she was getting stuff done. This is how this generation thinks. Because technology has been so unregulated, the Wild West, we don't know how to teach the generation how to self-manage. So that's real. They are all about YouTube, and they are global. Their communication styles are interesting. Their Twitter is their communication style, 140 characters. Instagram is their social of choice. And Facebook, if mom's on there, no thank you. <laughs> so I know you Gen Xers and millennials are on Facebook and a lot of boomers, and it's just not cool anymore for Gen Zers, so sorry to say. Let's talk about mental health because this is an area that we have to understand. If we want a legal legacy, if we want to say yes, we got to get in the arena. We have to roll up our sleeves and see what this generation is dealing with. See, maybe Joshua didn't understand, that generation didn't understand what the new generation was like. But it's our job to learn and listen, not to just change, but first we have to make connections. See, Christina's a therapist. We're both therapists. We understand within the first 15 minutes of seeing a new client, we don't need to deal with the problem. We just have to deal with rapport. We just have to build trust that, hey, we have a connection first, then maybe we can get something done. But if we don't build that rapport, Christina, what happens? You're done. You're dead in the water. So you're saying, I want my child or my student or my grandchild or my niece or my nephew or my student to change. Let me ask you first, do you have a connection? Do you have an emotional connection and trust with that person? Mental health and mental capacity matters. What makes Generation Z different than any other generation? They are post-9-11 kids. My son was two years old when the World Trade Center was hit. I was on the 210 freeway driving to work, and I got the news through the radio, and I was like, I was like our lives will never be the same. But I thought about my son's life will never be the same. Born into terror, terror things are uncertain. Why are the Avengers and all of those movies so big right now, right? Because it's all about safety, security, fighting evil. These kids are not optimistic. They are realistic. And they're worried and scared about the future. Put yourselves in their shoes. The American dream. School shootings and bombings. And know why we've always had those. It seems more real even now because of the increase of media and all of the tension around the world. They're fearing for the future. They need safety. I have 12 years old asking for what my stats are on campus. What is campus safety? Do you have security guards? Do you have, do you have security cameras? This generation cares about safety and security. Am I right? Yeah. How do we connect with the generation? We meet their safety needs. The iPhone 2007 changed everything overnight. The way we relate, the way we cope with stress. 
iPhone is now, the coping mechanism is now relationships. It is now information gathering. It is where we go when we don't want to deal with life. And let me ask you, how many of you go to your iPhone when you feel stressed? How many when you are bored? How many when you need a self-esteem boost? Yeah, because your phone is what's called dopamine. Every time you swipe, you get a hit of dopamine. It's exciting. It's exhilarating, right? That dopamine hits, you feel good, you feel alive, you feel connected. But guess what? Research shows after 15 to 20 minutes of being online, anxiety increases. Depression increases. And so what we have is an iPhone generation that don't know how to relate with the world because they don't know how to manage. So the iPhone, if you do any research on the effects of the iPhone on Generation Z, you will get so much information about how it's rewiring brains for connection. So the iPhone is affecting mental health. It means the, the part that your brain connects with others is shrinking. The part of the brain that connects with God is shrinking because we're so overstimulated with the screen. So that's just defining reality. It's the way it is. There's more loneliness. We're more connected, but more lonely. There's more trauma. One in three um, girls are reported to be sexually abused by the age of 18 and one in six boys. This generation is sleep deprived. They have delayed dating. They're anxious, suicidal, and they have less coping skills. Mental health is an issue. And if I can encourage anyone here, as church leaders, as educators, as parents, focus on the mental health of the next generation. Because if we want to impart a legacy, deposit spiritual truth and insight, we have to understand that they first have to feel safe. They first have to be able to think and reduce anxiety. Christy and I know when we're dealing with an anxious client, we can't even problem solve. The first thing we do is reduce symptoms. Calm down, deep breathe, maybe it's medication. Then we can start doing the deep work of discipleship. This is real. This is Generation Z. The last thing I want to mention before we go on to how do we apply this is what does Gen Z and faith look like? Well, they want a faith that is socially relevant. Traditional morality versus individual freedom is a challenge right now. Many Gen Zers are questioning the word of God because it leaves out people they love. And the awe and wonder of the universe is something that's very appealing. Generation Z has a strong desire to make a difference with their lives, and they are attracted to what will enable them to make that difference. You as a church have the ability to connect them with purpose. But a faith that is privately engaging and socially irrelevant will not attract them. Traditional morality will be a tricky conversation as they navigate their own sexuality and, cons- and they consider relational acceptance and lifestyle affirmation to be in a synonymous. So if you reject their same-sex attracted friend, you reject them. Individual freedom is simply a core value of this generation. If we want to leak a le- legacy, If we want to say yes, we need to understand who this generation is and connect with them on a deep level. And the third and final faith question will revolve around their deep sense of awe and wonder about the universe. More than any generation, Generation Z has an openness to spirituality, but via science and the cosmos. Have you seen this? 
that spirituality is about signs and wonders. I don't know about you, but the last time I read the word and the last time I experienced my own life, the living God, Jesus Christ, is doing miracles every day in our lives, and we have to introduce them to this Jesus. So how do we leave a legacy? Well, first, we need to know what we're working with. This generation is open and hungry, but facing big giants. Can we help them defeat those giants and leave a legacy? Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says this. Hear, O Israel, our Lord, our God. The Lord is one. The command that Moses gave after he came down off the mountain, it says, love the Lord God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today, the 10 commandments he was referring to, are to be on your heart. Impress them, press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses, on your gates. Impress upon their children. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to leave a legacy in your home? What's your home look like? What is the climate and the culture? Is it a joy-filled home? Or is it one of conflict, secrets, tension? It says where there is conflict, there will be rebellion. Moms and dads, if you have conflict in your home, your children will struggle with rebellion. Leave a legacy, let's break it down. Let's keep it simple. Let's keep it real. What's your home? Is it joyful? Is it healthy? Is it a culture of love and appreciation? Husbands, wives, grandma, grandpas, do you appreciate one another? Do you speak life or do you speak death? Do you criticize or uplift? Let's keep it basic. In your homes, number two, when you sit at home and then you walk along the road, when you're driving to soccer, when you're driving to tutoring, when you're driving to ballet, when you're babysitting, are you talking and living out the things of God? It's basic. It's not rocket science. It's not just bring them to church. It's be church wherever you are. When you lie down, when you rest, do your kids know how to rest? Or can they put the phone down, put the ring down? Can they put the phone down? Can they put things down? Do they know how to rest on a Sabbath and joy in what they're, and who they, God made them to be? Or are they busy, busy, busy and addicted to the stress and the busyness of life? Basic. Do they know how to rest? You leave a legacy by resting well, by modeling a good home, by talking to them and living out your faith on the road, not road rage. And when you rest, and then in the morning, let me ask you, what's your attitude when you wake up in the morning? Listen, guys, I give myself three, three, three seconds in the morning. When I wake up, listen, I'm prone to anxiety. I'm a strong personality. I can get dark, okay? So within three seconds, I decide what's my day going to look like. And if I feel my mood going in a way that I, or start thinking about something that's not going to bring me joy, something that happened yesterday, two years ago, 10 years ago, that's going to bring me down, if I think about those things, those, that, that becomes my today. So three seconds I decide, what's my mood? I'm, I'm going to give it to you, Jesus. And that podcast goes on. 
Fred Hammond goes on and I start singing praises. Whatever I need to do to get my mind and my heart in a state that says, I'm going to align with you because I have a legacy to leave. Yes and amen. Do you hear me? Listen, we can't make excuses anymore. The legacy we live starts with you and me and how we live our life. So if we started, did one thing different, we say, what is my three seconds when I wake up look like? Because that sets the tone for everything. Tie these symbols, tie your faith on your hands, on your foreheads, write them everywhere to remind us what we're all about. We need to. The podcast, the music, the signage, the, the scriptures, the post-it notes, whatever you need to do, family of God, we need to do it so that we can leave a legacy. So I want to close with this. Will you say yes to leaving a legacy? It starts with you. Three ways we can do that. Live your faith and provide biblical education. Do not just talk about what you're doing, about how you're doing. Do not just talk about topical messages. Teach your children how to read the word for themselves. Bring them into big church sometimes. Teach them how to do these things. Live your faith. Live a spirit-filled life every day. Number two, help them know themselves. Do you know the personality of your kids? Do you know how God speaks to them? Listen, this isn't just for parents. These are for all of us are influencers. If you're five years old, you're a leader. You know why? Because you can lead a three-year-old. If you're 55, you're a leader because you can lead anyone, lead anyone 55 and younger, right? You can lead people that are older. I do that all the time too. Help them know themselves. And three, teach them coping skills. Teach them how to manage their emotion. This is a catastrophic generation. It's filled with cognitive distortions. The world's gonna end. Everyone's bad. You're good. You're evil. I'm all that. It's catastrophic. Teach them how to cope with their emotions. And so as you think about this, where will you begin? Where will we begin? Let's make it simple. Be with them. Get to know who they are. Ask them what life is like for them. Of all ages, say, what's life like for you? Is what Angie said at all resonating? Thank you, worship team, for coming up. Listen and learn. You know how you leave a legacy? You build connection. Grandparents, connect with the children in your life, whether your own, your own grandkids or children at this church. Aunties, uncles, connect with the next generation. Let them school you. How many of you, younger generation, would just really appreciate someone to ask you a question about what you think? Come on. You're smart. You have so much to give. I couldn't do it without the next generation telling me who they are and how I can best serve them. And lastly, empower them. That means invite them to your business meeting. Invite them to your mission trip planning meeting. Teach them how to cook. Teach them how to play keyboard. Teach them how to do computers. In fact, have them teach you how to work computers. Amen and amen. Empower them. We're in this together. And what I will tell you, Harbor City, is everyone can be involved. This is not for parents. This is not for leaders, certain leaders. This is not for those that are in the church. It's for everyone. And no one is disqualified so worship team, as you, as you go ahead and um, play some music, I want you guys to just think about what the Lord is speaking to you. What is the Lord speaking to you? 
And where can you say yes today? I introduced you to Generation Z because they need you now more than ever. And you have something for them. You may feel disqualified. You may feel like, well, I'm not really a people person or I don't have that much talent or I don't know how to teach. I, I call BS. Is that okay, Mike, if I said that? I call BS because you know what? That's a very convenient defense mechanism. It's an excuse to not mobilize. It's, a, it's an excuse. And God is saying, I see you and I'm not gonna let you get away with it anymore because you're great and you're wonderful and you have something this generation needs. And no matter what you've done or no matter what state of life you're in, you got something to give. You can invite them over to your house. You can teach them a skill. Listen, start there, but do one thing different. So I want you to close your eyes with me and I want you to lean into what Jesus is saying to you. Where can you begin? Is it about listening? Is it a phone call you need to make today? Maybe some of you need to start with repentance and say, Lord, I am sorry that I have counted myself out from leaving a legacy. And I own that and I repent. And Lord, I ask you to come into my life again and reignite a passion to carry on and to pass on my faith, my learning, my mistakes, my victories. I want to leave a legacy for you, Jesus, and would you turn my life around? For those that are younger, Generation Z, I want to honor you today. But I also want to challenge you to embrace the faith that has been given to you by your leaders and to not be cynical and not drink the Kool-Aid of this generation. And remember, when we come into the Lordship of Christ and we surrender to Him, He dreams bigger dreams for us than we can ever dream for ourselves. But guess what? It requires us to lose our rights and to surrender and let Him have His way in us. Would you do that? Would you surrender and carry on the legacy of those that have gone before you? One thing difference, all you need today, people of God. And Lord Jesus, so I pray for New Life Harbor City that they will not only say yes and amen, but they will do it with great excitement and passion and motivation to leave a legacy that Generation Z will not depart without knowing who you are. May this community of God rise up and stand up and proclaim the works of God. We love you, Lord. We love Harbor City. And as we close today, I'm gonna to leave you with this verse, Psalms 145.4. One generation shall praise your works to another. Harbor City will proclaim the works of God to one generation to another. Would you guys rise to your feet with me and embrace that call to share your victories to the next generation? And all God's people said yes and amen. Can I hear a yes? Yes and amen. Worship team, lead us into a proclamation.